Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Welcome to Zambia Block Talk Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sunday, March the 22nd, 2020. It's amazing how time flies. Just a few weeks ago, it was the beginning of 2020, but now we are, this is our third month, and we are dealing with an issue that nobody saw coming, coronavirus. What do we know about coronavirus? Well, some people say it's a flu. Others say it's something else. Others compare it to SARS, MERSA. So we don't know these answers. So today, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by three guests. These are Zambians based in the state of Illinois. I'll let them introduce themselves. And we're just happy that we have people who are experts in this area. And hopefully our listeners will be able to learn one or two things. Again, welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. And my, let me say hi to my beautiful co-host in the state of Illinois, the, the marvelous Miss Irene White. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, everybody. How are you? Good. Oh, the the weather in Indy, I think it's not too different from you guys. We are, I think, just slightly above 30. So I think it feels a little bit like winter, though it's springtime. So hopefully we can get back to our warm spring, uh, spring weather. Yeah, so today, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by three guests. I will let them introduce themselves. And before we jump into that, Again, our topic today is the COVID-19. This is something that just wasn't out there a few months ago, a few weeks ago. But today, everybody, if you call anyone in Zambia, they will tell you about coronavirus. You can call anyone. We, we had some Zambians affected in Wahun province in China, and we thought it wasn't going to come this side. But unfortunately, the disease has made its way in our backyard so well welcome welcome ladies so without further ado let me welcome our guest Mwenya Mwenya welcome to the show well thank you very much and uh, thank you thank you and thank you for according us an opportunity to be uh, part of the panel to discuss this uh, really critical and important topic of the COVID-19 so uh, my name is uh, Mwenya Wayne Malenga, and um, I'm an RNBFN with uh, a specialty with, with uh, experience in nursing of over 10 years with uh, uh, specializing in geriatric nursing. I am currently a nurse consultant, uh, mainly for skilled nursing facilities, long-term care facilities, home health and um, telemedicine, and I'm also the co-owner of uh, Villa Holistic Caregivers. Good, good, good. Welcome, and we are happy to to have you on our show. Let's say hi to Rachel Little. Rachel Little, how are you this morning, this afternoon, this evening? Rachel, are you there? Okay, while we're waiting on Rachel, let's go to Maureen. Maureen, are you there? Good afternoon, Maureen. Oh, okay. Uh, Maureen was trying to log in. She actually sent me a message. So let me Uh, try. Oh, Oh, she's in there. Okay, got it. Welcome, Maureen, to to our show. Sorry, I think it was my, my, my mistake. I think I forgot to unmute. You know, sometimes technology gets in the way. So let's go to uh, Rachel. Rachel, good afternoon, Rachel. Hello, good afternoon. Can you hear me? Hello. We can. We can. Oh, you can hear me? Okay. Hi, uh, my name is Rachel Katongo Chalwilido. I live in Chicago. I'm also working in healthcare for the last uh, 15 years. And my area and my specialty is a social worker. So we are the ones that are constantly comforting the families, trying to follow up on patients. And um, in all areas where the nursing team need that extra assistance, we are the ones that jump up and 
go around and help out. So I'm coming from a social worker perspective, but um, this is a time where we're all playing as a team player. Oh, yes, yes, that's good, that's good. Yeah, so let's, let's say welcome to, let's welcome Maureen Shavers. Maureen? Yes, hi, I'm on the line. Thank you so much. Um, my name is Maureen Shavers Chikonde. I am actually uh, a nurse by professional, and I am, um, I am specialized in geriatric uh, patients, pretty much the elderly population, and I'm currently working uh, direct contact with actually patients with uh, COVID-19. Um, and I am a, um, the co-owner of the um, Villa Holistic, um, Villa Holistic uh, Agency. Okay, all right, that's good, that's good. Yeah, so I think Mwenya talked a little bit about himself, and yeah, let's let's go ahead and say, first of all, this is not necessarily a formal interview. We just want to have a little chat, if I can put it that way. We want to have a little chat and get to know you guys, what you do, how you get started, and also try to discuss what you guys are doing to help the Zambian community uh, fight this this disease. Yeah. So uh, let's have a little background on how how did you guys get started? Okay. So um, Villa Holistic Caregivers was started in uh, 2018, and um, the reason why we decided to do uh, to come up with Villa Holistic was. Uh, between amongst the three of us, Maureen, Rachel, and myself, having worked with the geriatric population and um, having seen that there was an area that was really affecting our elderly. So once people got to a point where they couldn't take care of themselves, most of the time we would be in meetings like care plan meetings and then it would come to that point where uh, a decision would be made that, okay, you can no longer stay at home, you have to go in a nursing home. So we could see how heartbreaking that was. You look at someone who's done nothing but worked so hard the rest of their life, and the time that they're supposed to enjoy their retirement, they end up being placed in a nursing home. So after seeing how much it used to affect our elderly, we said, okay, what can we do to make a difference in this area? And despite having companies that uh, uh, have, like caregiver companies out there, we saw that there was still an area that was lacking. So coming from that perspective of having so much experience in uh, geriatric nursing care, between uh, the two of us nurses, Maureen and myself, and from the social services aspect of Rachel, we sat down and said, let's create a very unique model of uh, the caregiver uh, services. So what sets us apart from the rest of the caregiver companies is with us, with the experience that we're coming in from the nursing and social work background, we've created a model which is a holistic model. So we're not just providing a caregiver for a client. When we take up a, uh, a, a, a case, we are holistically taking care of the client, making sure that the family are uh, okay, they, uh, they have a peace of mind knowing that we are caring for their loved ones. If there's areas that uh, we need, like emotional support for them and things like that, we're providing that. We're going in, helping and going above and beyond for, in all areas and aspects of areas and making sure that they stay healthy and avoid going back to the hospital. So that is, in a nutshell, that is uh, the reason why we decided to come up with Villa Holistic because we wanted to make a difference in the care, uh, caregiver industry. Oh, good, good. Thank, thank you for that, that great response, sir. Yeah, so I think by now everybody may know what the coronavirus is all about. So can you describe just in simple terms what we are dealing with, well, the disease that has got the whole country sort of like on standstill and in a few places they are closing down. Can you describe uh, in simple terms, because our audience for our show are Zambians, so how would you describe this disease to 
to Zambians so that at least Zambians understand? Okay, so I will answer your question coming from, um, um, like, the perspective of uh, skilled nursing, long-term care, uh, independent living, and, uh, like, a caregiver situation, because uh, I know we have a good um, uh, percentage of uh, our brothers and sisters in the Zambian community who are caregivers or health professionals. So based on that, I'm going to respond to your question from that perspective. So in a layman's term, um, coronavirus, which is, as we know, is now being termed COVID-19, is a mild to severe respiratory illness that is caused by a coronavirus. And this, unfortunately, has affected the whole world. The first case was recorded late last year in December of uh, 2019, and that was in China. So let's break down the COVID-19. What does the COVID-19 stand for? So the first two letters, which is C and O, stands for corona. The next two letters, which is V and I, stand for virus. And then the last letter, which is D, stands for disease. And then the 19 stands for the year 2019. So in a nutshell, corona is a virus. So COVID-19 has greatly impacted us people who are working with the geriatrics in skilled nursing facilities, long-term care facilities, assisted or independent living and uh, uh, caregiver companies in the sense that the majority of our clientele are the elderly. And uh, it has been identified that the elderly are at high risk of contracting the COVID-19 virus. And once they contract it, unfortunately, uh, it is leading to more severe uh, symptoms and outcomes. So that being said, what we have done is um, we have partnered with um, uh, the Illinois Department of Public Health and the CDC to ensure that we prevent the spread of this virus by edifying our healthcare providers and caregivers uh, about the COVID-19 virus like we are doing right now. So it is our hope that uh, by the end of this interview, we'll be able to reach out to as many Zambian and all other healthcare providers and caregivers and help them understand this uh, COVID-19 virus and uh, measures that they can take to ensure the safety of uh, the senior citizens that they're taking care of. Oh, th- th- thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, for, for, for that. Yeah, so my, my co-host, Irene, has a question for you. Irene, go ahead. Uh, I think I'm going to ask um, the question to uh, Rachel because she happens to be um, in the same field that I am. So if you can go ahead and uh, maybe tackle another question on COVID, and address it maybe to uh, Maureen, and then I'll come through with Rachel, if that's okay. okay. No, no, that's fine. You can go ahead and uh, ask Rachel right now. It's fine. Okay, so um, Rachel, how are you doing? Hi. Hi, my beautiful sister. <laughs> Thank right. you. So, I am good. I am good. Um so this is something that was uh, was actually asked to me. Somebody was asking me about what are we doing with um, uh, information given to clients who have uh, their immune system that have been compromised. A lot of people that have uh, maybe um, long-term illnesses, their immune systems are not the same. So... From a social work perspective, what would you tell a client to do if they're in that situation? Like, say, for example, they are they they have maybe um, very um, chronic illnesses in the past, but they are well, but they've had chronic illnesses in the past. Cancer, it could be diabetes, it could be um, uh, maybe. Uh, Crohn disease, and then now they've recovered, but they're always having these little flus and colds every time. 
So what would you advise them to do in a situation like now? Okay. So uh, thank you for that question. First of all, we do understand that to get the COVID-19, it has to be close contact, correct, with the yes. person? Yeah. Okay. So if their immune system is very weak, I would still say they have to do an, a self-isolation just to ensure that they're not compromising their immune system. And then the other part as well that I know social media is not talking so much about that is ensuring that you are boosting your immune system with vitamins, proper uh, food diet, you know, instead of panicking and worrying and trying to buy mm-hmm. all the toilet paper that you can find, uh, tissue and paper towels, that's not shouldn't be the main focus. The main focus should be what you need to stay stronger. So one of them, the most important thing is boosting on your vitamins, you know, mm-hmm. staying away from people. Uh, you can still reach out to a person without being in close contact with them. It can be via yeah. phone via social media, same thing with us social workers. We can stay in touch with our patients or clients without necessarily being in close contact by just ensuring that they're aware that, you know, to, to let them know that, hey, I'm thinking of you. I may not see you face to face, but I'm thinking of you. And if you need anything, let me know. If you need someone to talk to, call me, or I'll find a way of communicating with you. But the most important key thing is, People taking care of their immune system, number one. That's the big So whether I'm a social worker or a nurse or a doctor, that's what I'll focus on is trying to make sure that people are eating the proper diet, your vegetables, your drinking lots of water to, you know, flush out any virus that could have sneaked in following the, the, the precautions, um, following the precautions stated, you know, by the Department of Health in regards to what people need to do, and then making sure that even for your vitamins, you are taking them or you're finding a way of how to substitute. You know, in Africa, we have a lot of oranges. We have a lot of fruits, you know, and if you're in America, you, you know, you have access to that, but if you don't, you have at least access to your vitamin section. So making sure that that's, you know, in your house, you filled up with fruits and vitamins and water, and then going plan B after that. All right. Thank you so much, Rachel. So uh, the, reason why, the reason why I asked you that is that I have a lot of clients calling me uh, trying to find out, you know, the best way to, like, you know, keep healthy whilst they're looking at the world, you know, crumble. So one of the things I told them was, like you said, to um, try and get – um, fruit, because instead of you getting the actual vitamin pills, I don't know what their medical ailments are, and some people cannot, um, they're not advised to take those things. So I tell them that, you know what, stock up on oranges, stock up on lemons, stock up on, like, pineapples, things that are high in vitamin C, take a lot of green, you know, like green vegetables, don't overcook them, just saute them for a little bit so you can have, you know, the effect of the vitamins in there and take a lot of um, fluids, like you said. Um, That's working. That's something that we should encourage just about anybody who's worried about that. You're right. I think the world is, like, running to the store, buying tissues and these other things that are not actually essential for their bodies. Um, But you guys, I commend you for doing a brilliant um, job that you're doing. I know you service a lot of um, even non-Zambians, but most of the people that work for you are Zambians, which is uh, something that um, I can applaud you for. Uh, And thank you so much for coming on the radio. I don't want to steal Noah's time. I just wanted to say that. (laughs) Thank you. No, Madam Irene, this is not Noah's time. It is our time. So uh, <laughs> thank you I, again, Madam Irene. Now, we are going to go back to one. Uh, uh, this is a, an individual that I think the people in Illinois are very familiar with. And this is, of course, the former president of ZAC, 
Mr. Siajunza, he has a question for you. Go ahead, Mr. Siajunza. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you so much for making time today. Uh, thank you, Gamenya. Thank you, uh, Maureen and Rachel. I'm President Noah and uh, Madam Irene. Uh, the question I have is regarding, you mentioned, uh, uh, Mr. Moenia, you mentioned that uh, you have a lot of branding working in uh, the industry. So what uh, challenges do you think they're facing right now? Are they getting the effective equipment while they are performing their duties? Has anyone mentioned that they don't have uh, PPE, for example? Uh, Maureen, did you want to tackle that or do you want me to tackle that? Yes. Um, I can respond to that. Uh, thank you so much for that um, question, Blair. Yes, as we um, know and we are reading and we are listening to the TV, there is uh, actually you know, a fear of actually the actual thing of shortage of uh, supplies. But uh, like we said, we have been fortunate that, you know, even before we um, this whole uh, COVID-19 came up, the frontliners who are the caregivers, our caregivers and the healthcare industry has always prepared for the uh, supplies that we use on a daily basis. Because if we look back, uh, COVID-19 is a respiratory, um, uh, a droplet uh, infection. So we've had different kinds of uh, droplet um, infections like uh, uh COPD, asthma, emphysema, all those things are part of what um, uh, can be considered in the line of COVID-19. So we have had supplies. At the moment, we do have a few supplies that we are holding on to, and we've been actually passing those uh, supplies to our own caregivers we are working to. I can also attend to that because yesterday was one of the things that I did yesterday to all my clients. I had to go and provide the mask and uh, a hand sanitizer and uh, gloves to them. Thank you, Madam. Like we know that you know this is and uh, we do not know when it's going to end. We are hoping that you know it does not go further and we run out of supplies completely. Currently, we do have a few. Mm-hmm. And then just okay. to add on to what Maureen has said, so yes, the biggest challenge that we're seeing and uh, the responses that we're getting from uh, uh, caregivers and health professionals is the fear of what happens if we run out of this. But um, the fortunate part is our government is working tirelessly, not just the government, but also private companies are working tirelessly to continue producing these supplies. Uh, you know, the problem is when when the COVID-19 started, there was that panic where people wanted to go in, buy in bulk, hold on supplies and things like that. But uh, we are pretty soon going to see a phase where that is going to end and uh, the supplies that we have is still going to be sufficient and still companies are still producing more gloves, still producing more hand sanitizer. So it's really going to get to a point where it's going to calm down and uh, that panic phase is going to go past. But uh, to answer your question, yes, one of the biggest fears with uh, uh, the uh, healthcare providers and the caregivers is, okay, what do we do if we run out of this supply? So just to reassure them, we, we are not going to get to a point where it is going to completely run out because they are constantly still pro- producing the... And uh, the just people. to add on to what uh, Wayne has said, uh, because of all these measures that um, are being put in, uh, the social distancing, people that don't need to go to work, staying at home, the washing of hands, and you know, using of hand sanitizer, that is going to bring down the number of uh, contraction between people. So we are hoping that eventually with all this put into place, we will not get to the point where uh, the numbers of people who are infected we will, that means that we will be, we won't be needing a lot of supplies at that point if we can contain the disease. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you guys. I think I just got an, uh, a text from someone asking me to say, uh, where can people go to have the COVID test? 
done? Is it specific hospitals, or can you go to any ER? Or uh, and then one of the things they're asking is it um, is there a copay, or the insurance has to pay for it? Because I think that's one of the fears. Some people don't have insurance, and if they do have those um, symptoms, they are scared to go. They're just considering as a common cold. So where can they go to have them tested? Okay, can I, I can, answer that I question? I can that. Uh, so, oh, Maureen, did you want to respond that or can I answer that question? I will respond to that, that, you know, um, actually one of the persons who has gotten a test um, of the COVID-19 because I was mm-hmm. actually exposed to a patient uh, four days before the patient had symptoms. And uh, just to kind of clarify the, uh, the whole concept of why I did get the test, it's just because uh, CDC right now, current information are saying that um, uh, you can uh, have uh, COVID-19 and the symptoms will not appear any, some people are, have symptoms appearing anything from 2 to 14 days. You can be exposed. Okay. So from the time that you're being exposed, it can take 2 to 14 days before you can see those symptoms. But, you know, okay. just because of fear and anxiety, I had to take a, a test myself. But uh, to answer your question, you can go to uh, there are a lot of uh, – I live in Evanston, but every area now has put in a place where you can get either it's um, a walk-in. For example, I'll tell you my experience in Evanston. We do have um, Evanston Hospital who has opened up uh, a walk-in clinic, especially for COVID-19, where you just walk in. And uh, first of all, the first thing you have to do is call your doctor and uh, let them know of what you're experiencing. If you're exposed or you're having the symptoms, your doctor will definitely guide you through those lines where you can go, areas that you can go in. And you can also uh, call the health department who also has a list of um, places where you can, they can actually look up information for you uh, depending on the area where you live in, and they'll let you know of these uh, places where you can take in. But your doctor's office should be able to tell you where these places are. And if you don't have a doctor or you don't have insurance, you can always uh, call the uh, health department and they will guide you to an area where you should be able to go. When it comes to uh, a co-pair, Yes, they are. The government is actually working to pass um, the, the the law to make sure that people do not pay because this is a a, a disease that has affected crisis, everybody. Yeah. Yes, it's a crisis. But I can mm-hmm. tell you, as of now, when you go into uh, certain places, they will just tell you if you have the insurance they'll take you if you don't they'll still take you but for me i do have my insurance so i had to hand in my insurance and i had to pay a copay but i could tell from the other person that was next to me because they didn't have any insurance they were still taken in because they have to make sure that everybody is protected to answer in short with or without insurance you will be treated because i know that in this country treatment of illness is a right so definitely okay. with or without you will be treated. Adding to what Maureen is saying, thank you, Maureen. Adding to thank what you, Maureen, Maureen is saying, in the You're Chicago welcome. area, Maureen speaking from the Evanstone, in the Chicago area, Chicagoland, uh, you, we have the, they have the privilege of the drive-through testing areas. You just sit in your car. You don't even have to get out. It's a drive-through they test you there, but you have to have an appointment ahead of time. I guess they are trying to, you know, uh, keep track of people coming instead of everybody just coming. So you have to have an mm-hmm. appointment, and it's free. So everybody listening to the radio station right now, the testing for COVID-19 is free. You don't have to pay anything. It's free. All you do is get in your car and drive to... Uh, um, uh, any uh, to drive to, now here in the Chicagoland to drive to any drive-through testing area. Um, so I would encourage people to call the hospital nearby, the hospital that's closer to them, and then ask where do I go for my COVID testing. But it's free. Uh, 
Thank you so much, ladies. On what Rachel has said, yeah. I just this information about uh, the hospital. They are really encouraging us to stay away from going to the emergency room just because, you know, there is a lot of uh, patients in the hospital and there is also no room for anybody to be uh, to be admitted in the hospital with or without the symptoms. So the important part of this piece is calling and finding out where are they doing these tests other than going to the ER. Uh, that's a good, uh, that's a very good uh, information for us to share with people. So uh, before I, I hand over Noah, if he has any questions, uh, if there are any listeners, if there are any listeners listening into this um, blog talk radio and you have a question, please feel free to call in and ask. This is the time, this, is, this, this show is for you, it's for all of us. It's a learning. It's a learning time for all of us. We are learning things that we didn't know. We didn't know that uh, with or without insurance, you can still go and uh, test uh, for COVID. Miss um, Rachel is telling us there are drive-throughs all over Chicago where you can just sit in your car and do that, and then go home and at least feel, um, you know, happy about something that you've done for yourself. Um, please call in and ask questions. We have 30 minutes into the the show. Um, anytime you have the number, it's uh, on, I I think I pasted it on uh, on the community page and uh, our member page. So anybody that can call in will see. Noah is gonna see who's calling and then we'll pick it up from there. Yeah. Uh, right. Thank you, Madam Go ahead, Bella. Ah yes, uh, this is Bella calling from Atlanta. I was just wondering, is uh, ordering takeaway food safe? Like, are there any precautions that people need to take with that? Um, so pretty much not necessarily, because uh, that's one of the reasons that um, most states have uh, implemented where you can't go to restaurants. So one of the things that the restaurants are doing is uh, they are ensuring that uh, the, del- the delivery uh, people are uh, practicing the uh, hand washing, hand sanitizing, and uh, when they when they get to the obviously to the um, to the customer's home, um, there's the, the, that social distancing. You hand the food, and then again making sure after you do that you uh, just utilize the precautions of uh, hand washing and hand sanitizing. So really there's no much big risk in the sense that uh, we're not involving a large group of people at the same time. It's more of like a one-on-one contact, just the same way like uh, if you go to the, if uh, you are just uh, talking to a person one-to-one. Okay, thank right. you. Yeah, we are listening to Zambia Block Talk Radio powered by Zanus. Zanus is a local radio program that airs every Sunday. So we are talking to three Zambians who are based in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, this is Maureen, Moenia, and Rachel. They have a, 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 a healthcare company, and they, are come to the, they have come on the show to discuss what they are doing in response to the uh, coronavirus. So now my next question to any of you three, uh, there's been a lot of talk about the similarities between coronavirus and uh, regular flu, whether it's spread by, it's an airborne disease. Can you guys speak a little bit more on that? How is the disease spread? Um, I can uh, either respond. either could could take this one. Monia, you want me to respond? Yeah, you can go ahead. Okay, so um, the difference between um, you said the uh, repeat your question again. The difference between the coronavirus and yeah, so there's been a lot of uh, misconception, if I can use that word, among the general public and the community, and most people tend to say this disease is just a flu and it's spread by, it's an airborne disease. 
So I just want you guys to speak a little bit how this disease differs from the regular flu and how this disease is spread. Okay, so uh, this disease is actually considered a droplet, um, a droplet uh, contact isolation, I mean uh, disease. So you get this disease uh, through, um, you know, people who are coughing, it's in the air. People who are coughing, it's in the air. It's also on the surfaces, so uh, CDC states. And most people who are, different people are exhibiting a different um different symptoms. The symptoms are ranging from, you know, fever, cough, shortness of breath. Um, other people are even throwing up and, uh, you know, other people have reported to have felt uh, fatigue in the beginning before they exhibit uh, the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the other symptoms. So I would say that it is a droplet contact, um, uh, a droplet um, uh, contact uh, disease that people are getting through either uh, air or on the surfaces. And it can only be proven because um, a test is being run. So there is uh, a test that is being run. And for one to be uh, able to confirm that it is a uh, a COVID-19 uh, disease, you have to get a test because the symptoms are actually similar to it could be the regular flu. But in order to differentiate it, you really have to get a test in order to differentiate what it is. For example, myself, I had to get tested with uh, the regular uh, influenza, and I had to get tested with uh, the coronavirus. And again, the testing are being done through um, uh, swabbing and no, uh, swabbing you in the nose, and uh, they can be able to tell the difference between a regular flu and uh, a COVID. Okay, and then just to add on to what uh, Maureen um, has said, to help people differentiate. Uh, the problem is, again, there's that misconception. Someone can have the touch the common cold or the flu, and they might think that maybe it's COVID-19. So one of the few things that can differentiate the three are the following. So for COVID-19, you will have a fever, for the flu, you will have the fever. For a cold, that is rare. When it comes to coughing, for COVID-19, that is common. The flu, that's common. For a cold, that is really mild to moderate. So, again, when it comes to fatigue, where you're just feeling tired and things like that, COVID-19, for the flu, that is common. And for the cold, that is just sometimes. So if we were to look at differentiating, because when you look at the symptoms, it's more the flu symptoms that are similar to the COVID uh, symptoms. So some of the differences are that in COVID-19, you're going to have shortness of, whereas in the flu, you're not going to have shortness of breath. When it comes to loss of appetite, in COVID-19, you might or you might not have loss of appetite, whereas in the flu, that is very common. When it comes to a headache, in COVID-19, you don't have a headache, whereas in the flu, you, uh, that is common. So those are some of the things that can help you differentiate from um, uh, COVID-19 and um, uh, uh, the cold or the flu. So the most common symptoms for COVID-19 is uh, like a marine already alluded. All right. Th 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 thank you, question. sir, for that. Th thank you, sir, for answering that question. Now, I, I, we have a question from one of our guests from Indianapolis, and this is Nancy Lele Kaingo. Go ahead, Nancy, with your question. Hello, everyone. Um, I have a question, and my question is, why is it spreading so fast? Like, other than the droplet uh, mode, are there any other modes that we don't know about that is making this disease spread so fast as compared to the flu? Thank you. Okay, so um, I can tackle that. Hi, Hi. Good. So one of the reasons that we are seeing 
an increase in these cases is because of the incubation period. So whereas like for the flu, it takes about one to four days for you to start portraying symptoms or the incubation period uh, for the flu is between one to four days or for the cold is between one to three days before you can start uh, portraying symptoms. With the COVID-19, the incubation period is one to 14 days. So what this means is someone can be a carrier of COVID-19 and are spreading it out there before they realize that they actually have COVID-19. So it will take about two weeks. So by the time that they're starting portraying symptoms and going to get tested, they, might, they, they, they would have already spread it so, to so many people. And that is why, again, it is very important, and that's the reason why the government is putting in measures of asking us to really stay at home if we have to, because you, you, you never know. So that is the reason, to answer your question, that is one of the reasons that we've seen that uh, it's kind of like spreading out like, uh, like wildfire as compared to the way that uh, with the flu, we easily, uh, someone easily starts showing uh, symptoms and then we, we're able to isolate them and things like that. So that is the reason why we're seeing that, uh, uh, that spread. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, sir. Again, uh, you are listening to Zanus radio show. It comes every Sunday at 2 p.m. And today's guest, we have a Zambian trio, if I can call you guys that. It's a three people. <laughs> this is Maureen, uh, Mwenya, and Rachel. So these guys, they have a, a healthcare business based in Chicago, Illinois, and they've come on the show to discuss a little bit about the COVID-19. I'm sure we are all hearing about this COVID-19 every left, right, center. If you turn on the news, what you hear is COVID-19. If you go and sleep, you dream about COVID-19. And I think one of you asked a question that we don't know when this thing is going to end. I have some news for you all. If you know of a gentleman who calls himself a Pastor T.B. Joshua, he says this COVID-19 oh, is ending on March the 27th. <laughs> so, just in case you are wondering, <laughs> just no. in case you are wondering, are you we right have now? a prophet. I'm very serious. Yeah, we have the prophet on record saying this is ending on the 27th. So, you mark your calendar. So, those who have soaked up in toilet paper, that I uh, think, sorry, I'm sorry to let you know, this won't last long. It's going to be over with by the 27th. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, uh, for those who have tuned in, you are listening to Zado's radio show, and feel free, I have unmuted all your mics. If you have a question, just go ahead and jump in and ask our guest. So if you have a question... Feel free, your mics are all unmuted. You can jump jump in and ask a question. So whilst people are thinking of questions, uh, can you guys talk a little bit about what you guys are doing specifically for the Zambian community, if any? Are you doing anything to protect, to inform, or is there anything that you are doing from your company for, for the benefit of uh, the Zambians, in, especially in the in your area in Illinois? So one of the things that we're providing is as much information as possible because uh, we're privileged as a Villa Holistic. We are part of, uh, we've, uh, we've partnered, we're part of the uh, Illinois Department of Public Health uh, uh, Initiative for uh, long-term care facilities and skilled nursing care facilities. So we are privileged to getting a lot of information from uh, CDC and IDPH. And so one of the things that we are providing is as much education as possible. So sharing some of these um, information from uh, uh, credible sources like IDPH and CDC, we are sharing it as much as possible to our other counterparts in the Zambian community, uh, helping post some of those uh, on uh, like uh, our Zach forum. And then uh, we're also just providing our uh, expertise. If someone would like to get in touch with us, if they have a question, uh, they have a concern, 
we are offering just three, um, um, three suggestions and, uh, you know, a free input of uh, whatever questions that they might have if we're able to help out in that area. And then um, the only other thing that I can also extend out is uh, reach out. Let us know. Uh, if the areas that you're having challenges, if, they, if it's things like supplies, like gloves, we'll try to see how best we can uh, help out uh, from uh, what we have in our stock as we, uh, we also uh, provided for our caregivers and our clients. All right, thank, thank you, sir, for that question. I think the question that has been on everyone's mind, I think even I've had text messages from people in Zambia, uh, this goes to anyone on the forum. It doesn't necessarily have to be the, our guest, but anyone uh, with a special focus on our guest. Somebody asked the question, can somebody explain the relationship between toilet paper and COVID-19? <laughs> you know what? We, we need that okay. question answered. Can I no, we need to listen. It's a very good uh, no. It's a very good time to bring in humor because the, the world is is on standstill right now. A lot of people have anxiety issues. You know, I was just talking to, Bel, uh, to Blair earlier. I was saying, you know, the one thing that we are overlooking is that people prior to COVID, they had anxiety issues, they had depression issues, OCD, ADHD, and now for them to be confined, that's like uh, torture. So we have to look at that too. That's going to be another issue that America has to tackle when the COVID is done, because a lot of people are, like, confined. So for you to bring such kind of humor, it's a good thing because we all need to laugh a little. All right. I agree. To add on to Irene, uh, with my two senses, I think the reason why people are buying toilet paper and whatever groceries they're buying is because they have the fear, the anxiety, just like uh, Irene has, has said. And they're just trying to prepare themselves of the West, which I think the West is not going to be uh, there because we are already taking in a lot of measures like, you know, the isolation, closing of area, no socialization, mm-hmm. and you know, the washing of hands, the use of uh, um, sanitizers and wiping off all your, you know, your doorknobs or your car knobs or whatever, you know, like just trying to put in these measures will definitely not get us to the point where we're going to really have this period in a longer period now. Thank you, Madam yeah. uh, Maureen. Actually, to add to that, it, it speaks to many of us are familiar with the Abraham hierarchy of needs. The first thing you, you look at what you need to survive, the basic, right. water, food, shelter. That's where yeah. that question comes in, you know. People are just trying to secure the basic needs. And uh, once they secure those, I'm sure they'll feel more comfortable. But I thank you guys for coming on the show tonight. The question I want to ask is uh, regarding uh, how much data we have for our Zambian population, you know. Uh, the news we need to inform is the news is uh, the network of uh, associations of Zambians in the U.S. So we are trying to leverage our numbers, trying to understand the challenges that are specific to the Zambian diaspora in the United States. And when we got started, the first thing we did was initiate a survey so we understand the demographics of the Zambians that are in the United States. And one of the key findings that came from the survey that was pushed out was that most Zambians have been here around 20 years. So what does that look like? If they, they've been in the U.S. for 20 years, they probably came in their 30s. So they're probably reaching 50, 60. The age group that is most at risk with this corona thing. And so I, 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 I'm so grateful that uh, Villa Holistic is looking into providing, like, um, home care, you know, for people who in retirement, the ones that need uh, care. But I want to ask specifically around the planning, around do we collect data, do we know if there are any Zambians that are in uh, 
nursing homes, we know how many Zambians are in nursing homes or how many Zambians we need to be put in nursing homes. So I'm just trying to have us prepare for that because right now we're, of course, dealing with this corona thing. But what will come out of this, it will be a lot of things to be exposed, like the people that have been here so long, they can't go, they can't go back home because they're used to the American way of life. So what challenges do you think will face accessing, you know, nursing home care, health care once you retire in the U.S.? Can you speak to that, please? Yes. So one of the biggest, biggest, biggest things that we are encouraging people to do, that we overlook, is long-term health insurance. So what the insurance, the health insurance that we have will just pretty much cover for when you're sick, for medications and things like that. When you get to that point where you cannot take care of yourself, and uh, unfortunately the culture that we live in is different from uh, our a culture back home where you know that, okay, uh, your loved ones are going to take care of you and things like that. Once it gets to that point, you have two options. It's either you have saved enough money that you'll be able to pay out of pocket, which is really expensive to have someone like a caregiver, we provide a caregiver for you to come home. The other option is if you have long-term insurance, Long-term insurance covers for what they call custodial services, which are the caregiver services that we provide. It is not expensive, but it is something that a lot of people have not been educated on. So I am urging, and I'm glad that you brought up that, because this is a good platform for us to spread the word. Whoever is listening, please spread the word. You can start as even as you're able to, uh, to set uh, long-term insurance within a 50, 55, but let us please encourage family, let's encourage um, friends, let's encourage our loved ones. It is very, very critical that we start uh, investing in long-term insurance because that is the only insurance that is going to help cover for caregiver services and prevent you from ending up in a nursing home they will cover 100% and will be able to provide caregivers in the comfort of the home without you worrying about uh, that coming out of your pocket. All right. Th- thank you for, for that question, Blair. And uh, there's a question from Le- uh, uh, Nancy Lele. Nancy, go ahead. I think we are running short on time. And the response, uh, please keep it a little brief. And the question, make sure it's, uh, it's also... Uh, brief. Go ahead, Lele. Okay. Uh, it's me again. Uh, I'll try as much as possible to be brief. Um, uh, circling back to what I asked earlier about the, uh, the virus being uh, um, the, the modes by which they are transmitted, um, the, the answer, though, was it's transmitted uh, via droplets. Do we know how long the virus can stay in the air after a person coughs or sneezes at all? Can I repeat myself? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I heard you. From uh, my understanding, um, from my understanding, talking to other nurses and um, the next practitioners, they were stating that it can take at least a good five minutes. That's why it's like it's being up in the air a little bit more. This is it's dropping. Um, so if you have it, if you have it in mind that a person sitting next to you coughing, you can imagine how much the coughing uh, droplets are lingering in the air, and that's why they encourage everybody to. Um, if you're going to, if you're sick, cover yourself with a mask. Or if you're going to cough, cough in the position of an elbow. Or if you forget and you cough in your hand, make sure you have hand sanitizer. So, um, Wayne, Maureen, what do you guys, what does your yeah. research say? Um, on average, yes? uh, I think it's about six minutes. 
Um, but I can get back to you. I don't want to give you um, a statistic that I'm not really sure about. So from what I've heard, I think it's about six minutes, but I'm not uh, sure. So uh, we can always get back to you and uh, uh, give you a, a much more um, definite answer after we do a little bit of research on that. Um, okay, I can also you. just add into that question. Uh, with the surfaces, CDC has reported that um, the bacteria, I mean the viral on the surfaces can stay anything from a minute to maybe as much as uh, two to three hours on the surfaces. So that's why they're aging us, that you know you have to wipe out your stuff, you have to wash your hands, you have to stay away from each other. Because right now they do not have the uh, accurate information that they can say this virus is really staying five minutes, two minutes, three minutes. But I know that they have reported that anything from uh, a few minutes, how long this virus can stay either on surfaces or in the air. So as soon as we get that information clarified, we will be able to actually uh, share the information with everybody. Okay, all right. all right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Anos Block Talk Radio, powered by uh, the Zambian Association Presidents Network. Yeah, so let me just tune in a little bit uh, to uh, Nancy's question. So, according to the statistics uh, and uh, reports by the Scientific Research and the CDC, and just a little background for those who may not know. I work for the Indiana State Department of Health here in Indiana, and I'm actually part of the COVID-19 response. So I'm actually one of the people who has been responding to questions from different um, uh, sectors in our community. We have uh, uh, medical providers, we have the general public, we have doctor's office. So being the, uh, a member of the local health department here in Indiana, I am sort of on the active response team. So let me answer that question. So COVID-19 can be detected in the air up to three hours or sometimes up to four hours. So in some cases, it may last on cardboard surfaces up to 24 hours. And on plastic, sometimes it may stay on plastic from two to three days. And on stainless steel, I think about four days. So this is why the protocol has been to make sure you're constantly, constantly washing your hands, make sure you practice social distancing uh, up to six feet. This is why they have closed down most of these I mean, public arenas where I mean, basketball is open. I mean, they, they, it's been canceled. The reason is they don't want to have people sitting next to each other. But the main message that the CDC has been putting out is to ensure that people are washing their hands, you are practicing uh, social uh, distancing. That's the main thing. And also you want to make sure that at least you are drinking a lot of water. And then if you have symptoms, you stay home. So ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, this has been a very productive a conversation. We are happy that we are, we invited this guest. So I think maybe in future we might even extend our time to have a show next day. I mean, maybe we'll see uh, depending on if our schedule permits. But ladies and gentlemen, this has been a very productive show and we thank our guests. So we just have one minute. So if we last, what is the one thing that you want the people to get from the show. Just one thing in one minute. Uh, the three of you, you can speak for 15 seconds each. I'll go first. When you're washing your hands, just sing the happy birthday. That's how long you have to wash your hands. When you sing the happy birthday right, song, you. you wash your hands. Thank you. Next person, 15, 10 seconds. I just want to, um, this is Maureen, I just want to encourage everyone that as long as we're going to stick to the plan of social distancing, washing hands for about 20 seconds and uh, wiping out all our, our, you know, our shelves, we will be okay and we're not okay. going to get into a critical situation. Thank you. Thank you, Mwenya. Five seconds, Mwenya. Yep. 
let's stay safe, practice hand washing, hand washing and hand sanitizers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.